All right, I want to give a little bit of honor to some people in here. This week, Lisa, Justin, and I took a bunch of the young leadership to a meeting in Alexandria, Louisiana. I want to tell you parents that these kids were awesome. I will tell you, I will take these guys anywhere. They were, they were the most behaved. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories here. These are who went. Justin O'Sell, Josh, Lindbergh, Adam, Megan, Chloe, Madeline, and Tabitha. I'm going to tell you something. We watched the boys opening doors for girls, treating them like queens. I could not have been prouder of the young men we took. And the girls. You're talking about ladies. It was a ball to take them, a ball to be around them. And they even said they had such a good trip, you know. And I told them, I said, you guys are friends forever now. Because anytime you spend a week together alone with somebody or with somebody, they weren't alone, then you, you bond, you do things together. Anyway, I just wanted to give notice. So I just need to ask... Um, Adam, you and Megan or anybody else, you have anything you'd like to share? If I give you a couple of minutes, can you, would you? I want to hear from them because anyway. Hello. Hi, everyone. Um, it was a tremendous blessing. It was... Um, Something that the Lord told me was that he opened this door through many different things, but our being faithful and tithes, giving, serving, the serving opened up the door. And as soon as the opportunity was presented, I knew that this was a door that God opened, that only he can open. I couldn't force this to open. And everything that we received there was absolutely beautiful. The presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, heavy. And it's something that he allowed us to go and to receive that and to bring it back to word of life. That even now as I'm speaking, things that we've received there are being imparted to all of you in the name of Jesus. And I... <laughs> That's how he was the whole week. <laughs> The whole entire week. He always gets drunk. The glory. The glory right. in that place. The glory. Because when you all come together with one mind and in one accord, just like in Acts chapter 2, they were all with one accord, and that's when the Holy Spirit came in like the rushing mighty wind. And when you're all in one accord in faith and you come together in unity, that's when the Holy Spirit can come in and do what he needs to do in that place. And being able to come, and I love being able to see our pastors being able to receive coming to receive that was such a blessing to me to be able to honor you guys and we really appreciate we really appreciate being able to go it was amazing just the glory the glory the glory the glory you come and you're like this can happen in every, in every church actually a word was spoken that Kenneth Copeland said um, in the year 2019 that the year 2021 would be the year of the local church and I re we received that word for this church, the year of the local church, this church, the glory falling in this church, 
that everyone would come and see the light of the church and would bring people in and the glory of the Lord would shine in this church and shine on the people's faces and that we would go out and the people would come in in Jesus name and that this would be the normal for every person this right here would be the normal for every single person it's available for everyone if you would open your heart and be willing to receive the Lord is willing to give it to all who are hungry says those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled so in this place even in service today ask the Lord to fill you all you need is to be hungry and thirsty that's the only prerequisite is to be hungry and thirsty and that's what you get amen I know Pastor Mark comes to our church, but when you show up to where there's 700 people that are so hungry, there's a different anointing that's there. Because some people are like, well, we have Pastor Mark here, and this is the same Jesus, and, you know, why should I have to go to that? I said, you just, just go one time. Just experience it. It's different. It's way different. So I started praying, and the Lord started telling me, and he gave me specific names. He said, these people that are serving in the church, they're in Bible school. I want you to take them. And uh, I was like, oh, man. I said, because I don't know how everyone's going to mix together. You know what I mean? There's kind of a little bit of fear. You're like, oh, Lord. But like he said, it actually turned out to be when you follow the Holy Spirit, it turned out to be so perfect. And where um, our group was very welcomed, our group, um, you know, was able to even bless other groups that were there. Yeah. And people had said great things about us. And I just said, thank, thank you, Lord. But the same fire that I got when I went out to Mark Hankins, it's just different. I mean... I, I remember when Mark came here, but he told me one time, he said, why don't you come out? And I was thinking, why would it be any different? But it was way different. It, yeah, I mean, it's on, it's on steroids, and, and um, he's allowed, I think, because of that there's 700 pastors that are wanting to receive. Because when you show up to church, there's people that are kind of like, uh, I don't know if I bought this all as Holy Ghost. And there is a pushback when you're preaching sometimes. And I feel it when I'm preaching. You can almost feel the thoughts in the room. And it's not that everyone's bad, it's just they're, they're growing. But when you get out there, you have 700 pastors going, give it to me. And when you walk in, the first day we walked in, the anointing was so thick in there that you... Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. That it was. I mean, your, your hair standing up on the back of your neck because the anointing was so thick. And then that night, we had a blowout Holy Ghost service. Mark Hankins went around, slapped everybody. People <laughs> fell out in the spirit. But it started really heavy on Tuesday, and then by Thursday, it was just um, it was just even more and more and more. But you'll never receive the spirit of faith by getting taught it. You're actually going to have to catch it. And um, so I just encourage you, if you ever get a chance, go out to one of his meetings, and you will be really blessed like these young people were. So we love y'all. Many of the pastors came up to Lisa and I and said, we are very impressed with your young adults. I mean, you talking about well-mannered, well-behaved, full of God, you know, and they shine so brightly that other young people in the room were looking, we ought to kick it up a notch over here, you know? And so we got a lot of compliments, and you ought to be proud of them. Amen. So anyway, I was proud of Justin because normally he would get to fly with us, but he had to drive, drive the van, and I kept in touch with him. Where are you? How are y'all doing? He said they really enjoyed the ride. They got to talk. They got to have fun, and 
So we're looking forward. Now, this, someone says, well, why didn't you invite us? You can go. We just wanted to honor the guys that work. Amen. These guys work in this church, and they put a lot of time in it, and we wanted to honor them. So I wanted you all to know how we picked our kids. And there's probably others that, like Nicole and Paul, well, you know, babies change everything. <laughs> That's the Christmas song, a baby changes everything. So, so anyway, having said that, are you all ready? Get your Bibles out and go to 1 John chapter 4. Today, the sermon changes everything. This will change for your good everything. Now, let me back up a minute. Let's start talking about, we're talking about love. We've been talking about love now for several weeks. Now, I'm going to say again how all of this got started. We, when, when, we, when we asked Mark and Trina to come, I was on his Facebook page watching him and Trina do his Bible school, and he was teaching on love from his book. When he got finished teaching on love for about 45 minutes, I sat back and I went, wow, I have a lot of changes to make. I know I'm not where I need to be. And I said, Lord, I don't know what you have for Mark, but I'm going to ask that when he comes, that he'll speak to us on this subject. And he did. He started off his first meeting talking about love. And then he did the meeting, uh, his Bible school in here uh, during the day on love, and he called me and Lisa up and asked us, and we were like, oh, no, we were not ready for this, but I read my love book that morning. <laughs> he said something to me, um, and I'm going to reiterate it to you. You don't learn anything because you read a book. You learn it because you practice it. You're going to have to practice love, and I, I said this. For years, I made the subject of agape love important, but I never made it primary until that, time, that night when Mark was preaching, that day he was preaching, and I said, this, is, this must become primary now. And I began to realize that our health and our prosperity is directly connected to our love walk. Amen. You're not going to be healthy and you're not going to prosper because God is love and he made your body. Love made you. Your body responds to love, not stress. Amen. When we were out in Louisiana, Dr. Avery, a, a neurosurgeon who Kenneth Copeland has had on his program, stood up and he was talking about viruses before we left. And he said, when you allow stress and strife in your life, you are six times more likely to get sick. Wow. Your, your immune system is compromised so greatly, it stops functioning. That's important. You know, you're sitting back looking, wait a minute, there's a lot of sick people. Is there anything I can do about it? Yeah, you might want to work on your love walk. Because God is love. Jesus, we know, didn't get sick. How did he do that? He walked in love. Love can't touch God. He can't touch you. So walking in love and walking in God are synonymous. And walking out of love 
and stepping out of the will of God is synonymous also. And you open up the door to the devil. Now, he went on, and I'm going to encourage you to go online, watch Mark Hankins' program, but Dr. Avery went over the virus in detail as a medical doctor. Now, he made a statement, and I'm going to reiterate what he said. You're walking around with over 300 viruses in your mouth right now, and they're alive. That is normal. That's not abnormal. Your body was created by God to fight it. When you get out of love, it stops fighting the viruses. Now, for the ones of you that wear masks, let me make a statement to you. As a doctor, the doctors in America have got together and they're, they're requesting the government stop making you wear them. Now, I'm going to tell you all why. No medical doctor in a hospital wears a mask eight hours a day. Nobody does it. It'll make you sick. Because, and he's a neurosurgeon, he does brain surgeries. He said, when you wear a mask, you're breathing carbon dioxide back in your lungs. Your, 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 the blood vessels in your brain will begin to swell. He said, there's no science behind the mask. Come on, y'all. Your body was designed. So he's saying... It's one of the most unhealthy things you'll ever do. And I want you to think about this. You've got 300 viruses in your mouth. Now you're spitting them on your mouth, and now you're breathing your own trash in all day. You were designed to breathe it out. Get it out. Get it out of your face. Now, this is a neurosurgeon. If you don't believe me, go online and watch what these guys are saying. The mask you're wearing is a dust mask. It doesn't stop viruses, but it'll make you sick. Now, if you continue to wear it, you'll notice yourself getting headaches. Take it off. Get your blood and oxygen levels in your body back up to normal again, like God made you. Now, I know that a lot of people get offended with that. The reason you're wearing them is that the TV told you to and they scared you. But it's not true. It's not true. You don't believe the devil. Believe God. Trust God. Now, if you're one of these people that believe in it, go home and find out what the doctors are saying. There are 800 of them petitioning the government, please stop killing the people in America. Whatever you're afraid of, you attract. If you're afraid of the virus... You will attract it. Get over the fear of it. God made your body, and he didn't mess up. Now, he made another statement, and I'm going to say it to y'all. There is no um, vaccine for the flu. There isn't one. They've never made one. They never will. They can't. The way they give you a vaccine is to give you the disease. But the vaccine they're giving now, Lisa and I have had lunch Dinner with doctors and nurses, and they've all said, we won't take it. The people who made the vaccine said, we won't take it. Madeira means modified DNA. Do you want someone modifying your DNA? 
They said it takes 10 years to test a vaccine to see if it's any good. They haven't tested anything for 10 years. I'm, I'm trying to help you. Just use some wisdom. We've been around for 6,000 years. If you had the disease, your body is immune. They said not this one. Lie, lie, lie. Your body has built up antibodies now. You will not get it again. That's the way God made you. Now, the most healthy thing you can do for your kids is let them play in the dirt. Come on, Melanie, help me out. Let them be around stuff that's dirty. And let your body immune system work and keep you healthy. It's building, uh, it's building all the time. The more you're stopping it and hiding away in a house, the greater the risk of you getting sick and getting COVID. You're creating it. Ask them if they care. What's his name, the guy that's making the vaccine? Gates? They kicked Bill Gates out of India. They've kicked him out of Africa. Because when he went in and started giving vaccines, you ought to see the pictures of all the kids and the girls that are permanently disabled and dead. He said with his own mouth, too many people on the earth. And that's the guy you're trusting, not God. What if the Bible was as true as CNN? Okay, God made you. Today, we're going to talk about how to keep you healthy. God's way. Are you all ready? You're going to find out it's easier than you think. Okay, First John. I mean, I, I can tell by my spirit that I've already bothered some people. So let me back up and make a statement to you about offense. Because what I said did not make you feel good, did not mean that what I said was not true. Your feelings are not telling you truth. You, the feelings you feel by what you think about. Your, your feelings are all feelings are controlled by thoughts. If I took you off of CNN and put you on a good news station, you would stop having feelings of fear. The fear is there because of what you're looking at. Come on, y'all, help me out. Come on, come on, guys. You're not designed to be afraid. Stop allowing the world to put you in fear. Jesus didn't fall off the throne. Okay. And we got to get in the, we got to get in America to where we're not touchy and feely and believe everything somebody tells us. It means you're not reading your Bible. If you read your Bible, they would not hoodwink you. All right. If you want to get hoodwinked, that's your business. I'm not mad at you. If you like it, if you just do one thing, just one. Take it off when you're driving. Just my God, just start there. You drive by and I go, oh, no. I am going to help us. 
why would a person God anointed to pastor have less ability to take care of people? Nobody ever anointed a government official to take care of people. But he put men in the earth called shepherds who care about people. Why would my words carry less weight than a numbnut on television? who is pro-immorality and ungodliness. I mean, when you're shutting restaurants down and opening the borders, you have a special kind of dumb. I'm, hello. Come on, God wants you healthy. First John. We're going to talk about two seats today. First John 4. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You will be able to stand in the judgment seat of Christ. Because as he is, so are we in the world. Isn't that good? There is no fear in love. You're walking in love, no fear can get on you. And we're talking about there's no fear in God's love for you. You get rooted in the love of God, then fear leaves you. He cares about you. Perfect love, God's perfect love drives out fear. Fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. All right, I'm going to quote a scripture here, Galatians 5, 6. Faith works by love. Without love, your faith will not work. You say, I believe in God. Well, you're going to have to have a walk of love in order for your faith to work. If you're having, Brother Hagin made a statement. He said, if I find out that my prayers are not getting answered, I always go back and check up on my love walk. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, please turn over there. Oh, don't worry, you'll be excited before we get out of here. I, I, I got news for you, you will. I'm on a mission today. We're going to change this church completely this morning. Ephesians 2, and I'm going to start with verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses in sins. I want you to think about walking in a morgue, pulling a body out and saying, I forgive you. What kind of response would you get? None. Dead people don't need forgiveness, they need redemption. Jesus did not come to forgive you of your sins. He came to redeem you from sin and you needed your sin removed and the dead man raised from the dead and he made you alive in Christ Jesus. He paid the debt of everybody on the earth. Now let's move forward. And, to which, and in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. How many people on the planet were lost and are going to hell before Jesus. All of them. There is no group worse than another group. Okay? All sinned, all fell short of the glory of God. And you and I were in it. Among also, we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. We fulfilled the desires of our flesh and of our mind. And we were by nature children of wrath just as other but God who is rich in mercy say mercy 
because of his great love with which he loved us, when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let's get a picture right here. Everybody had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and everybody was lost. When Jesus came to this earth, there weren't any good people anywhere. And he came and brought mercy to people who deserve no mercy, and he extended mercy. And the Bible says that one man hollered and said, have mercy on me, son of David, and Jesus stopped in his tracks and walked up and healed the man. He didn't say anything about him deserving it. In the old covenant, when the death angel came to the house that says, take the blood and put it on the doorpost, the death angel never said, who's in that house? You could have been a murderer in that house and the blood would stop the judgment of God. It doesn't matter who you are and what you did before you came to Jesus. The blood of Jesus has stopped all judgment off of you and the judgment and the death angel rides over the top of you and goes somewhere else. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. So he said, now then, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he walked in the Holy of Holies, he took his blood on the judgment seat and sprinkled it and turned it into a mercy seat. And then we're going to read, he sat down and we sat down with him where? On the mercy seat. Let's read it. I'm excited. Raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places that in the ages to come, forever and forever and forever and ever, he'll show his exceeding riches and his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. For all, In a hundred million years, he's going to look at you and go, I have something cool to show you. All right. Looking forward to it. Not dying this week, though. By grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest you boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, and we'll talk about that later, which God perfect not today, before that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember, you were once a Gentile. The word Gentile means gohim. It means, that means without God in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what's called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands. At that time, you were without Christ. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers, no hope without God. No hope. All of us. Now, since we're all in this boat together, every one of us are here because of mercy. We never deserved anything we have. Are we all in agreement with that? All right, thank God for God. But now in Christ... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.19. Pop it up on the screen. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing trespasses to them. Good thing about Jesus, he's God, and he's not even imputing sins against people. Whoa. Aren't you glad? Go to Matthew 18. Say, I'm going to get my love walk up. 
Matthew 18, let's start with verse 21. Peter came and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him before I slap a knot on his head? Seven times? And Jesus says, I don't say to you seven times. Seventy times seven. If you sin that much in a day, go back to bed. Aren't you glad that God will do what he told you to do? That's a lot of missing it in a day, guys. And you, some of y'all, I, I hope you've never gotten that far. Therefore, now listen to this story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, there was one brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents. A talent is a year's wages. 10,000 years' wages. That's a lot of money. I did a calculation one day, and somebody said $26 billion. Now, that was your debt. Now, he says right here, now go to the next one, 24. And when he was not able to pay, his master commanded he be sold, his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Now, listen to me. Payment will be made. Your debt will be paid. All right. God's not winking at it, and forgiveness doesn't mean he pretends like you didn't do it. Now, he's, we're going to read here that the king forgave him. Where do you think the money came from to pay this man's debt? The king pulled it out of his own pocket. Now, we just got through reading that you and I had a debt. And Jesus paid it. Now, we're not going to do this this morning, but we're, in Easter, we need to get in here and talk about what Jesus really did on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. You need a graphic. The Bible says that the, the Roman uh, spear and the Roman lash is not what mutilated Jesus' body. His sin disfigured him so bad, you couldn't tell he was a human. He bore the sin... Of every human on the earth. The greatest display of power was not the creating of the universe. It was raising Jesus from the dead. Because he didn't raise Jesus from rigor mortis. He raised every man that had ever sinned from the dead. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of mercy. So it cost God something to extend mercy to you. Now, we're going to read here in a minute. There's two seats. There's a mercy seat, and there's a judgment seat. I want you to understand, it is not good for you and I to get back in the judgment seat. You don't, first of all, we don't have a right in it. Are you all out there? But yet, we do it. For little stuff. Come on, I won't. I, so I would love to, y'all, for y'all to stand here and look at it. <laughs> when the master's servants, okay, the master, okay, the servant therefore fell down and said, Master, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, which is the same Greek word mercy, who released him and forgave him the debt. Well, he paid it out of his own pocket. 
That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, $18, laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. And the fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him and said, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And he would not and he went and threw him in prison till he should pay the debt. Now, when I read that, I got to thinking, who would not forgive $18? It's not about the debt, it's about vengeance. And this is what's going on here. Now, you did me wrong, and you're going to pay. That's what unforgiveness is. How many people are you not talking to right now? I ain't talking to them no more. I ain't talking to them. Come on now. Satan's number one way to take you down is people offending you. Yes. Yeah. And folks, listen to me. It will happen. Yes. The, the country western song, somebody done, somebody wrong song. There's a reason it was number one on the charts. Because everybody in this room has had people do stuff. You want to know the negative of that? Everything they've ever done to you, you've done too. All right, now listen to me. Do you understand that on the day of the great white throne judgment, God is not going to judge people. He's going to let them judge theirself. Everything you've ever said with your mouth has been recorded. You lied to me. What did you just say? Lying's wrong. Right under the statement, you lied every lie you ever said. God's not judging you. You're judging you. Why, you stole that. Angel wrote it down. And everything you ever stole listed right underneath that statement. Boy, it's quiet in this Baptist church. <laughs> Two seats. There's a mercy seat and there's a judgment seat. Which one are you in? If you are in the judgment, jump, jump back in the other seat. And his fellow servants saw what had been done and they were very grieved. And they came and told the master what had been done. His master, after he called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? And the master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. Say sickness, sickness. disease, disease. Poverty. poverty, until he would pay all the debt. And so my heavenly Father also will do to you. You might want to change seats. If you from your heart do not forgive your brother their trespasses. All right, now we're going to find out something in a moment. I'm going to prove to you that God knows it was wrong. No one said what they did was not wrong. Yeah. Right. What he said 
you don't get vengeance. Everybody is in this earth is going to pay for their sins one way or the other. No one is getting away. If you've sinned, get it under the blood or you will pay. And if you want to get it under the blood, you're going to have to get in the mercy seat. That means that your finger pointing in your day of judgment is over. You don't have the right to use the law. You don't keep. Oh, don't shout me down. See, I, we're going to have a move of God in this church, and it, he ain't coming until we get stuff straight. Want to have a move of God? He's going to have to want to come to your church. All right. So my heavenly Father will do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now I realize what I'm going to say right now is controversial. But I watched the video of Reinhard Bonnke raising the man from the dead. Now I, I have to assume that the preacher who gave his testimony did not make up a big lie. But the man that Reinhardt raised from the dead, his wife, when he died, the pastor of the church died in a car wreck, smashed, killed him. She got his body, and she grieved over it and grabbed his body against everybody's wishes, his wife, and took it to a Reinhardt. Now, because she was so adamant about it that the family left her alone. In Africa, they bury them pretty quick. They don't do all that other stuff. So she took his corpse to a Reinhardt meeting and they saw them bring a dead guy in rigor mortis he's stiff as a board and put him down in the basement while Reinhardt's preaching during his sermon the man's face starts to twitch took a process it was like an hour before he finally finally they heard him sneeze and they thought oh this dead guy just sneezed finally after a while they got they got his arms moving, and he's sitting there, and he said, where's my paper? Where's my paper? Where's my paper? And he said, we don't have a paper. He says, where's my pen and paper? Now, the, the pastor had died and went to stand at the, the gates of heaven. And when he got there, he saw people worshiping. He saw people singing. And Jesus appeared to him and said, you will not be going in here today. And he said, but I'm a pastor. The pastor had thrown his wife out of the house. He kicked her out and sent her back to her dad. That strife, unforgiveness. And so Jesus looked at him and said, you're not coming here. You're going to go to hell. Now, you may look at me and go, I don't agree with that. I don't like it either. <laughs> but it sure keeps me straight. Amen. If you want to test your theory, let me know how it went. Yeah. I'm going to act like that scripture's true. Yeah. Thank y'all. Yeah. Now, if it wasn't for that, the other day I'm reading a story by Gary Wood. 
Gary Wood is a guy that died, went to heaven, um, came back. His wife started praying for him, and he came back. And I think he was a Christian then, and he came back. And, he, and God gave him a ministry. He, 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 his throat, he hit the steering wheel and crushed his larynx. And while he was there, crushed his whole face on the steering wheel. So that when he came back from the dead, his face is in pieces. And so they put his face back together. They cut his vocal cords out. Well, he had just been with Jesus. And Jesus said, I have work for you to do. So he's laying there with his throat cut out. And he started praying, God, how am I going to do the work you called me to do with no vocal cords? And he said, I began to pray. And Jesus appeared in the room. Walked up to him, smiled at him, took his hand and laid it on his throat. Took his hand off and disappeared. The nurse walked in and said, good morning, Mr. Wood. And he said, good morning. And she dropped the food and ran out of the door. And the doctors came in and he jumped out of the bed and ran down the halls in his little nighty. Y'all know what that looks like in the back, man. You're talking about, that ain't right. That's indecent. And he started singing. And he loved to sing. When he was a young man, he won all kinds of awards for his voice. And he, was, he sang, he was so happy. He's singing, singing. So the doctors came in and they're upset and they said, Mr. Woods, sit down. <laughs> and they looked in his throat and there's still no vocal cords Woo! in his throat. Wow. And they said, you can't do it. And he said, but I am. <laughs> he's a walking miracle. Now he's telling the story about him praying for a boy, a hell's angel, a guy that had gotten back in a motorcycle game. The boy grew up in a Pentecostal church and was born again and filled with the Holy Ghost in his teenage years. But he fell away from God. When he died in a motorcycle wreck, he's standing before Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you're not coming in either. That's two. And I'm thinking, let's quit playing. With sin. Come on. So he sends him to hell, and the boy goes down in the region of the damned. But Gary Wood walked in the hospital room and heard about the boy dying, and he had on Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. And his mama said, God ain't listening to nobody in no Hawaiian shirt. And Gary said, I can help you. Walked over there, laid hands on the boy, and raised him from the dead. He raised him from the dead three times in the hospital. Kept dying, coming back. Gary stayed with him until he was able to keep him here. And the boy is out today, born again, back walking with God and preaching the gospel. Now, I'm asking myself, I'm reading this in a book, and I'm going, I don't think they're lying. Are we, are we using the grace of God? God gave you grace to get out of sin, not in order to continue in it. A step out of love is a step in sin. Are y'all out there? This, now, I told you, listen, I started off by saying, 
This is no longer a subject. This has become primary for me now. Now, I'm going to stop right here and read something to you. And, and Mark Hankins made this statement to me. He's talking to me, and now I'm talking to you. You don't learn anything because you sat in a church and heard someone preach it. Amen. You learn it because you practice it. So this book is my book. Lisa has her own, DM. The reason I said that first service, I was joking with her, because she had it in her bag. I probably put it in there, but anyway, I, t- I accused her of stealing it before I realized that that was out of love. Okay. So Mark Hankin says to me, you're not going to learn this if you're not willing to practice it. He said, you need to read it every day, and you need to practice this every day. And, and honey, let me tell you something. You have no idea when you read this how many times you're missing it. Yes. And I'm going to tell you one in a minute. <laughs> Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It's not self-seeking. Touchy. <laughs> That's sin. Fretful, resentful, takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Yeah, wow, already. See, I'm already going, oh, oh, Jesus. We better do it. Keeps no books on insults or injuries, the Jordan translation. Let's look at another one, the Hayford translation. Does not keep an account of wrongs done. Instead, it erases resentment. Get the list, tear it up. I know y'all got one. I ain't doing that to me no more. You're in the wrong seat. It never gets provoked, never harbors evil thoughts. Have you ever walked around going, and you got an argument going with your mind with someone did something to you last month? It's over. What are you rehearsing that mess for? It's making you sick. Come on. Uh, this is a good time for me to tell my story. And I have to tell on me because y'all won't let me tell your stories. Tell them to me and I'll tell everybody what you did wrong so I don't quit using me. The other day, Lisa and I were in Louisiana and we went into Starbucks. And we we're going to get a coffee and uh, what was that little thing we... Little egg bites. Little egg bites. Right. Little egg bites. <laughs> and the girl there did a fantastic job. I mean, I, when, I, when I drive up to the window, I want to say... I want a medium latte, egg bite. She wants a white. A blonde, flat, white. Blonde, flat, white, and egg bites. The girl responded exactly what I said. And I went, that is awesome. <laughs> and so I am bragging on the girl. And then I said, remember last week when we pulled in that restaurant? And I'm down there giving my list. I said, I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And then she comes back and goes, was that coffee hot or cold? Which one? The first one. We're back on the first one? And was it a medium? I said it was a medium. Okay. Now, what was the second thing you asked? And I got to say all this again. Pay attention. Okay. So I'm in the line with Lisa, 
And she looks at me and she says, I don't think all of that talk is necessary. And I'm going, where's my book? <laughs> I said that to y'all to show you how fast, boom, we can go negative. This has been a week ago. Shut up. I just got through reading the love book and I'm flunking the test. And my wife is over there telling me, I don't think you need to be going down this road. Just rejoice that she got it right and be quiet, honey. And I'm like, oh, I got to read my book some more. I, I said that to y'all. We have, we got to work at this. We've been doing stuff so long, it's normal. Never mind. Love, Weiss translation, patiently bears ill treatment from others. Does not force itself on others, isn't me first does not fly off the handle. Where's my ink pen? I got to mark that one. I got to read this again. Put a check mark by that one. Are y'all out there or do you go home? You don't learn anything until you practice. Anyway, I didn't. Does not keep score of the sins of others. The Barclay translation, never nurses wrath to keep it warm. I love that one. Does not hold grudges. Hardly notices when the girl gets the order wrong. Aren't you glad we have 1 John 1, 9? Well, see, what I did was I jumped right out of the mercy seat over in the judgment seat. And then I'm going, honey, I don't feel good. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. All right, all right. Now go to James chapter 2. I told you when we started, we're going to change this church forever. We will have a very strong move of God in this church. James 2. Do not put expectations on other people that only God can answer for you. That's good. That's good. That is good. When you're offended at people, and, and the Lord said this to me the other day. He said, son, one of the reasons that people get offended at you, talking about the pastor, they're expecting you to do something for them you can't do. What do you think you're going to do when I pull a miracle out for you? You will give me the credit. If you think I'm the problem, you'll also think I'm the Savior. No man is your Savior. When you're offended, you have people you're looking to. Your spouse will never give you. Everything you need. That's true. Yeah. Right. Very good. 
There are things only God can do. All right, I'm doing really good now, but listen to me. There's a lot of stuff going on in homes. A lot of people are mad in this nation. And, 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 and let's talk about the president. He still is not a savior. I believe that too many people were looking to Trump to turn America. And I think God took him out. So that you will know who is God and who's not. I think God will turn America around when we stop worshiping people. Listen, I'm a pastor. I've had God use me when he wants to. I've had the gifts of the Spirit. I, I, listen, and I say this to y'all. Everywhere I go outside of this church, the power of God falls, but not here. There's a reason for that. Some of you know me after my flesh, and some of you are looking to me to be your Savior. Get your eyes off of me, and you get them back on the Lord. We're coming in here to worship God. Not a guy up front. The church is the one that's creating the celebrity mentality. Have you been to so-and-so's mating? You're worshiping a man. Good preaching. You need to come in here and worship God. Can I go a little deeper? If the band never shows up, can you worship God? If I preach a bad sermon, can you still live for God? You better. Man, I would love to have a perfect record. I do not have one. Lord have mercy. Come on, I'm doing good. Let's, let's go back to putting our faith in God. You know, the, the movie, the Grinch movie. I know y'all think I'm nuts. But that is a very powerful movie. The whole point of the movie was this. You can't steal Christmas if it's in their heart. These people in the village loved God, not stuff. He took stuff and they didn't change. And that's a simple movie. It's a simple movie. And then Grinch got born again. Thank you, Jesus. And I know some of y'all think I'm a Fruit Loop because I watch that. I watch that thing every Christmas. I get in there and my the Grinch. I mean, I'm just like, man, our pastor's like a kid. I am a big kid. I, I, I'm not a senior. I will not go down that road. I think I'll start the seniors meeting when I'm about 120. I think I'll head on over there. They all walk too slow. And you, just because you're old, don't mean you have to walk like you're old. Get in the, the tombs. Move that old body of yours, man. No wonder it's creaking and cranking around and everything. <laughs> I better get back on the word. I'm about to, whoa, Lisa's over there. Amen. Don't get in sin, baby. Don't get in sin. Okay, James 2, verse 12. 
so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Do you want mercy? Give it away. Mercy is when the other person does not deserve it. Amen. Not when they do deserve it. It's when they don't deserve it. Okay. Let's look at another one. John 8. I'm doing good. Verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. I wonder if they set her up. And when they had set her in the midst, they said, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act alone. Um, The last time I noticed, check. It takes two to tango. And all they brought was the lady, which meant that it might have been one of their buddies. A little more to the story than meets the eye. Moses in the law commanded that one such should be stoned. What do you say? Did Moses say it? Yes, he did. Now notice Jesus cannot say no. Or now he's a false prophet. I mean, he's denying the law? So they think they've got Jesus over a barrel. And this they said, testing him, that they might have something to accuse him. Now if he says yes, she's going to die. And he's going to stand there and watch him do it. So he can't do yes or no, which is what they think he's going to have to do right now. And he stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. And and I I read that and I thought, what's he writing? Joe. Sue. Joe's looking over going, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Bob didn't pay the temple tax. What's he writing? I don't know what he's writing, but he sure got their attention. I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) He wrote with his fingers, though he didn't hear, and when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said, I'm going to add to it. Yeah, you're right. That's what Moses said. And you're saying judgment should be given. You're right. Should be. You who's without sin among you, you go ahead and chunk the first rock. He's bringing it back over to them. Now listen to what he's saying. He's not saying that what she's doing is okay. He's not saying that. He's just saying, I'm desiring mercy. And it says that they left from the oldest to the youngest. Why? 
Because the older you get, the more realize you are not perfect. And you have a whole lot more stupid under your belt. To look back and go, oh, yeah, yeah, boy, I mean, oh, man, I mean, I did, yeah, I did that. Anybody here ever lied? You're a liar. Anybody ever stole? You're a crook. Anybody ever had an immoral thought? You're an adulterer. You are. Where did we get the right to chunk rocks? Amen. Come on. So Jesus is dealing with this, this, the Pharisees right now. Anyway, where was I? And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. <laughs> I would love to read what he wrote. And those who heard it being convicted in their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And now remember this. Jesus is the only perfect one in the crowd. There's only one guy that has the right to judge you. And when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said, Woman, where are these accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. She's standing there going, there is one that could. And she's waiting on what he is going to say. Everybody's gone but one. Neither do I condemn you. Go ahead and keep sinning. It don't matter. You're under grace. I want to say this again. I say this with all that I can. There's such a mess up today in the grace movement. Grace, you were saved in order to become holy. You did not become holy in order to be saved. God has placed you on the top rung of the ladder, forgiven you of all, made you a new creation, and given you everything you need to live right, and given you grace and time to work on it. Don't play games with sin. America is full of lukewarm Christians. Jesus is not number one. It is time to get that sin under the blood. I believe that God allowed this to happen in our nation so you would see what a nation looks like when he takes his hand off of it. You are not making this nation great. He is. And our government is rogue, and there's only one person that can stop it, and it is God. And he will not until we get it together. Say amen. Amen. That's why I'm preaching on this. No condemnation. We need, we all got some work to do. Buy the book. Join me <laughs> in my endeavors. But you don't know how bad you are till you read it and go, oh, that is terrible. <laughs> he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Matthew 5. No, not Matthew 5. Go to Romans 12. I can go a little further today if y'all want to go because I want to show you 
I want to show you how to get your finances in order and your health in order. If you'll let me go there. Three people. Amen. The rest. 12, 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself. See, it's avengement. Rather give place to wrath. It is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. They're not getting off. Don't worry. That, well, they're just getting away with it. No, they're not. It's just God doesn't want you in the judgment seat. Because for your sake, get out of it. Let God do his job. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. In so doing, you'll heap coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Mark eleven twenty five. Put it on the screen. When you stand praying, if you have anything, anything, anything against anybody, you're not getting your prayers answered. Just go ahead and mark it up. It ain't happening. Now, I'm believing God and nothing's happening. Well, you want to go back to this scripture right here. I'll tell you where you missed it. It's the only thing Jesus mentions in, in, in prayer is forgiveness. It's the only thing he mentions. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're like me, maybe some of you aren't. Maybe some of you are way better. I hope so. This is probably one of my biggest struggles. I don't like people being ugly. Hello. Especially to me and my family. I just don't like it. And I have a tendency to be pretty vocal about it. I only have two cheeks. Slap the other one, I'm going to knock you out. You know. And I've had to change a little bit. Because I don't want to stand before Jesus and go, Well, Pastor Morgan, uh, you're, not being, you're not coming in here. Romans 8. I'm going to give you the scripture that fixes everything. Are you ready to fix it? Yeah. I'm going to show you the one that will help you and you'll never get in this mess again. Verse 31. What can we say to these things? If God is for me, who can be against me? Now listen to what he said. If you're walking with God, there is not a person on the earth that can stop you from your destiny. Amen. Nobody is hindering you. No race. No one. No politician. If God is for me, if I'm walking in love, I am fulfilling the law. And if God is on my side, you cannot stop me from my destiny. Amen. No one can but me. Boy, this is absolutely my life scripture now. I'm reading this to myself every day. Who, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for me, how shall he, God, with Jesus, not freely give Daryl Morgan all things? You're not stopping God. And I'm not stopping him. Do you understand the importance of forgiveness? That stops God 
You're stopping God. Who is going to bring a charge against awesome Pastor Darrell, who is God's elect? It is God who made him righteous. Who is going to condemn him? It was Jesus who died and rose from the dead and sat down at the right hand of God on the mercy seat who's praying for Daryl Morgan. Who will ever separate Daryl from the love of Christ? Trouble, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, the government, for your sake were killed all day and counted as sheep for the slaughter? No, in all of these things, I'm more than a conqueror. Here's the secret. Stay in the mercy seat. Don't change seats. Don't get over in that other seat. Now, I'm going to show you two scriptures I didn't show the earlier guys. So you guys that were here in the air first, when you get to hear this. Job. Book of Job. Book of Job. Now, i got to find it. I have a hard time finding Job in the Bible. What page is it, Lisa? It is not. Oh, it is before Psalms. I thought you said I got out of love real quick, didn't I? I better read my book. All right. Job 42, right before Palms. Verse 7, and so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Elah, somebody, the Temanite, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. You didn't speak, spoke of me what is right, like my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourself seven bulls, seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job will pray for you, and I'll accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken what was right like my servant Job. And Elipaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the whatever, went and did as the Lord commanded. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. These were not friends. These were agitators. They were irritating him and accusing him and condemning him and calling him bad. You don't have anybody like that in your life, I can see. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. What happens to your income when you're praying for your enemies? It increases. You don't like me? Hallelujah, income's going up. <laughs> now, when you ladies get home and you start acting like this, your unsaved husband's going to freak out. <laughs> what did you do to my wife? She's nice. <laughs> All right. Isaiah. You better. Isaiah 58. 
You want to walk in health? You want to get over being sick? He's, there's an answer right here in Isaiah. Verse 6, 58, 6. Is not this the fast I chose? To loose the bonds of wickedness and undo heavy, every heavy burden? To let the oppressed go free, you break every yoke? Is it not for you to share your bread with the hungry that you bring in your house the poor that are cast out? When you see the naked, you cover him and don't hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning. And your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call and I will answer. You will cry and I will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of your finger and speaking wickedness. Hello. It'll make you sick. And it'll keep you sick. Very dangerous to talk about the girl who didn't get the coffee right. Everybody, I want you to say, I have work to do. Don't we all? This is good, isn't it? I want to say this. I love each and every one of you guys. I, I wake up on Sunday. I'm so excited to come in here and see your faces. And I, I don't have a ambition in my bones to do something that benefits me. If I did, I wouldn't be here. The things I've learned, I've been, I've been doing this a long time. I'm going to tell you this right here, probably one of the most important things you'll ever hear in your life. We must work on our love walk. Yeah. Love God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself. I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up for next Sunday. Are you all ready? Yeah. We're going to talk, a sermon's called Two Feet. The God of the universe came here and took on humanity. And they put on the robe of a servant. And he washed people's feet. The American church has got to get back to loving the people God loves. If you love God, you need to love his family. Jesus was a servant. Wouldn't it be nice if people walked into a church and said, what can I do? What do you need? God's waiting on us to make adjustments. He said to me right after I got, he said, I'm sending you to Orlando. If you ever think you're too big to wash a man's feet, I'll pull you out of ministry. Me and Lisa are not too good to take care and wash your feet. We'll get in a ditch with you. We've had times we sat with people and ministered to them, helped them out of messes. It's great honor. And we'll do it. And some people, 
I, I joke about my job. I don't have a clock I clock out. I wake up four in the morning praying over y'all. I never stop being a pastor. I don't have bad days. I'm not allowed to. Do y'all understand that? But there needs to be more than two people in a room that actually cares about. This community right here needs Jesus. And he's a servant. Now, what's next Sunday? Are y'all going to come back or are you going to go, I don't think I need that. <laughs> I want you to do something right now. I want you to go back to Romans 8. And I want you to make a confession with me. I want you to run the devil off now. If there's somebody that you need to get them under the blood, you know who it is. If God brings it to your mind, I want you to forgive them and I want you to forget it. I want you to let it go. Romans 8, 31. Let's, let's make a confession. What can I say to all these things? I'm going to start over. What can I say to all these things? If God is for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for me, how shall he not with him freely give me all things? Who shall bring a charge against me? God justified me. Who is he who condemns me? It was Jesus who died and rose from the dead and sat at the right hand of God and makes intercession for me. Who will separate me from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword? As it is written, for my sake he's killed all day long and accounted as a sheep for slaughter? No. In all of these things, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Say this with me. Starting today, I am out of the judgment seat. I'm going back to the mercy seat. And I will be merciful. Because God was merciful to me. I desire mercy. Not judgment. Starting now, I will give mercy. Not judgment. Now, let me say something. You're going to work at it. You won't leave here today and go, I got it. Because you don't. I don't know. I know we don't have any of these books out there. You can order one. You, you got a Bible. I can't tell you the times that I've had to sit in my own house and make a list of people who really bother me and lay my hands on it and pray until I get the bitterness out of my soul. I walked in my own office one day and Jeannie Bowser said something. And I said, Rah! And she said, Pastor, I thought you forgave him. I said, I did! She said, I don't look like it to me. Don't shout me down. I mean, we've had some people do some stuff. 
I went in my office and closed the door and I had to make an altar right there and go, God, I got to get this under the blood. Took a little while. It kept popping off the altar and I go, oh, don't you get back off that altar again. And I prayed for them until I actually fell in love with them. What you're praying for, you'll love. Now, this is something you and I are going to work at this. Because that's Satan's number one tactic to take you down. You're running around mad right now. You need to get over it. Father God, I thank you for this morning for the opportunity that I've just had to preach your word. This is not light. I don't take this lightly. I love every person in this room. I pray over their health. I pray over their finances. I pray over their homes and families. I pray that every one of us in this room would take seriously the thing that we're talking about in church now, love. I, for one, made it a subject, not the subject. And I have recently learned that I'm going to have to make this the number one subject, at least for now. And I believe all of us do. I pray over families. I pray over husbands and wives. I pray over families with children. And I pray you would help us to create a home environment that's full of love. With some of us, it'll take some, it'll take some work. No condemnation. You've given us grace. But we choose as an act of our will right now to sit in the mercy seat beside you and to be a lot more merciful than we have ever been before. Loving people like you do. In Jesus' name. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are awesome. Thank you for coming to church. God bless every one of you. Praise the Lord. Woo. I'm live. Amen. And he didn't go, keep going, but for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, height, depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate you, me, from the love of Christ which is in Jesus Christ our Lord, Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Lord and said, Jesus, I accept your sacrifice of what you did for me. You took my place. You didn't just take some sins. You took all sin. You do not Jesus does not stand in the judgment seat over me. But you have to accept that. Then you can say that none of these things, once you say, Jesus, I receive you, I receive everything you did for me. Thank you for forgiving me, washing me in your blood. Then you can say, nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. Nothing underneath the earth, above the earth, angels, bad guys, good guys. Nothing. Things that are in your life now, things that are coming to your life, none of that will separate you from the love of Christ. If you're here this morning, as my altar workers come forward, they want to pray with you. If you have a need in any other area, they will agree with you in prayer. And God says he will do it. Amen. They said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Amen. So if you need to be born again, if you, whatever you need today, Jesus is saying, just reach out and receive and take it.